Morning Survivors, it's Angie. Today we're going to talk about narcissistic friends, and this will be in response to one of our one of my viewers who asked a question. Alright, let's look at that. So before we start this video, let me tell you a little story. Uh, when I was uh, early 20s, right, right after I became a single mom, I worked at this company and I met a friend there who was also a single mom. And initially, we got along great. And uh, we, we even hung out outside of work and had play dates with our kids and everything. And um, But after a while, I realized something about her. And that was that whenever I was around her, she was always complaining. She was complaining about people we worked with. She was complaining about people... We saw, you know, out in the world, she was complaining about her life. Everything seemed terrible to her. And I realized that spending time with her was making me feel really crappy. And so one day I decided that I wanted to add some people to our lunch circle. <laughs> she didn't like that. And so unfortunately, she walked away instead of remaining friends with me. Well, that took her, you know, took me to a better place, but took her to a terrible place. And that's just one example of someone, you know, when you get tired of sitting around and at lunchtime every day and listening to somebody complain about everything in the world. And I, I finally even said to her, look, you're really negative and it'd be really cool if we could focus on some more positive things. So what are some things that are awesome? And she never could see it or, or feel it. So I think this is a very interesting question. So let's go ahead and talk about it. What are 10 signs of a toxic friendship? So this is interesting. This is a coffee cup from uh, our family vacation. And look, it says Angie. I thought I'd share that with you today. All right, let's do this. So we're just going to make this easy today. We're going to talk about 10 things that show that you can identify, 10 ways you can identify a toxic, toxic friend, all right? So let's get started. First thing I should tell you is that a lot of people will overlook the possibility of a toxic friend, and that's because um, you don't expect to see that in your friends as opposed to your family members or, or people that you work with. But um, one of the first signs of a toxic friend is a person who's just very negative all the time. They always see everything in the worst possible light, and they want to try to drag you down with them with their negativity, even though they may not realize that's what they're doing. But inevitably, when you spend time with this person, you find yourself exhausted and tired and kind of cranky because you've absorbed all of this negative energy that they've spewed your way. So rather than ever seeing the positive side, they'll always see the negative everything. And then, of course, if you're talking about um, toxic friends, they will hardly ever listen to your problems or concerns. Um, they may celebrate with you briefly if you have some exciting stuff, but inevitably they'll try to turn it right back to them and get back to whatever it is they'd really prefer to discuss. Another thing you can, another way you can identify toxic friends is that they are quick to point out your flaws, things that they think are wrong with you, and that's never a positive. Of course, another thing that happens with toxic friends is that they get mad at you very easily. So it, it kind of takes over the friendship and then you you have a lot of guilt about that you feel me so like if you have an argument with them you walk away feeling guilty uh they like to use the pity card a lot they they you'll find them doing narcissistic injury sometimes you'll be shocked when you realize that maybe your, some of your closest friends have a bit of a narcissistic tendency about them a toxic friend is going to be not happy for you when something good happens in your life or they might feel jealous or angry but they'll minimize it and they won't be excited for you um, when things are going your way. It's it's a bummer. Real friends would be happy for each other when positive things happen in their lives. Uh, they would jump up and down and be excited or whatever, you know, would be appropriate for their personality. So you have to be careful of that. Another thing that toxic friends will do is 
um, only want to talk about themselves. And so if you sit down and have a conversation, you say, oh my gosh, this happened, this thing, blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, that's interesting. So anyway, what about me? Back to me, back to me. And sometimes they'll even get mad at you for not letting them just continue to talk about themselves. Other times you'll find that they'll just fall off the planet for a while and they won't contact you and you won't know anything about them. And then of course, when they need you again, they'll come rolling right back as usual, just like any other narcissist. Of course, they won't think that there's a problem with their behavior and they'll expect you to be fine with it as well. And like any other narcissist, they won't consider your feelings. They won't ever consider your feelings. They'll say things that'll hurt your feelings. And if you complain about it, they'll only apologize if they think that's the only way to keep you on the supply line and they won't mean it. And they'll go back to usual, back to their, their standard ways quickly. And uh, if you have experienced narcissists in your life, then this won't surprise you. But if you haven't, you might be shocked by it and not know how to deal. Another sign of a toxic friend is they'll pressure you to do things you don't want to do. Now, this can, you know, show up in the form of peer pressure or whatever, but it can also show up in the form of general, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, it can show up in ways that will shock you. Let's just put it that way for now. So for example, um, they'll ridicule you if you won't do whatever thing it is they want to do, or they'll tease you, or they'll make you feel guilty. Sometimes you'll end up doing things you don't want to do just because you're tired of that person harassing you about it, if that makes any sense. So it, you might even, you know, depending on your age and your propensity toward bad things, <laughs> you might even be convinced to commit crimes that could change your life in bad ways. Or you might be convinced that you want to try things that ethically speaking you wouldn't otherwise try and if you don't do that you might feel guilty and even though you should actually feel good for making the right choice does that make any sense toxic friend will encourage you to do whatever bad things they have in their mind or things that you wouldn't otherwise do a healthy friend might do something like help you help push you to go outside of your comfort zone into a place that would make your life better a narcissist doesn't care about that and so whether they're your friend or not they will uh, intentionally push you toward Whatever suits them, whether it suits you or not, whether it benefits you or hurts you, it doesn't matter. They want what they want when they want it. You know, for example, if you have a choice between paying your rent this month and loaning that person money, and, you know, that person might say, oh, come on, come on, just loan it to me. I'll pay you back in time for you to pay the rent. Of course, they never do. And, you know, that that's a, a good hallmark. You know, if they would put you in danger or in, in at risk in order to appease their own needs, uh, without consideration for your own. Just like any narcissist, they have no empathy. And the final hint for today, the final clue that you're dealing with a toxic friend is that they aren't willing to change. And even if they pretend they're willing to change, they really won't because they, they don't think anything's wrong. They think something's wrong with you if you complain about their behavior and their, their treatment of you. You feel me? So, yeah. So, let me ask you a question. Do you have any toxic friends? Do you think you might know someone who, who could be a toxic friend in your life and, or have you experienced that before? I have. Uh, it's interesting. So leave your comments below and tell me what you think. As always, thanks for being a part of my day and a part of my, part of my life. And thanks for letting me be a part of yours. I'll see you soon. Anecdotal evidence, what getting involved with a narcissist gives you in common with this frog. 
today at queenbeing.com. Hi, I'm Angela Atkinson. I'm a certified life coach, an author, and a narcissistic abuse survivor. I blog and offer resources for narcissistic abuse recovery information at queenbeing.com. My books are available at booksangiewrote.com, and I offer personalized recovery coaching at more at NarcissismSupportCoach.com. If you put a frog in a pot of boiling water, he's going to try and jump out immediately because that water hurts and instinctively he recognizes that danger, right? But if you took that same frog and you stuck him in a pot of tepid water, he'd think it was all good at first. He'd probably get comfortable and start doing some fun little froggy kicks in the new pool. Now, if you slowly heated the water temperature up and it gradually reached a boiling point, the frog is probably going to relax even more, thinking how lucky he was to have to land in this awesome little froggy spa situation. But just as that poor frog got used to the heat, he'd find himself chopped up on a plate before he knew what hit him. It's the same deal with toxic relationships. When you first meet a narcissist, you find yourself feeling very comfortable, oddly so at first, and fast. And that's because the narcissist knows exactly how to draw in an unsuspecting victim. He love bombs you, puts you on that seemingly untippable pedestal, but the truth is that it's all an illusion and by now you've already found yourself being scalded by the proverbial boiling water. Like the frog who is slowly cooked to death, a narcissist will slowly rob you of your personal truth. Before you know it, you'll find yourself feeling empty, alone, and sort of dead inside. What do you do if you're dealing with a narcissist in a relationship? Well, you've only got a couple of options. Number one, you're going to learn to live with it. Or number two, you're going to get out and go no contact. If he's currently abusing you physically or sexually, you've only got one option. Get out right now. If that's the case, stop watching and visit QueenBeings.com's emergency violence, domestic violence resources page to get some immediate help. Thank you for watching. Remember, you can get plenty of free resources, help, information, and support, all designed to help you with your narcissistic abuse recovery at QueenBeing.com. Until next time, my name is Angie Atkinson. Do you think you're being gaslighted by a toxic narcissist? Today at QueenBeing.com, I'm going to share with you the top 10 red flag signs that you should watch for. My name is Angela Atkinson, and I'm a certified life coach, an author, and a survivor. You can learn more about narcissism and narcissistic abuse recovery at QueenBeing.com, get my books at BooksAngieWrote.com, or take my free five-day e-course for narcissistic abuse survivors at NarcissismSupportCoach.com. Let's get started. So I'm going to begin today with a quote from Jeffrey Kluger. Narcissism falls along the axis of what psychologists call personality disorders, one of a group that includes antisocial, dependent, histrionic, avoidant, and borderline personalities. But by most measures, narcissism is one of the worst, if only because the narcissists themselves are so clueless. 
Now, if you've ever had a friend or a family member, even a coworker, who is a narcissist or who suffers from narcissistic personality disorder, chances are that you have been the victim of gaslighting, which is a manipulation technique that narcissists will use to get what they want from their victims. So those who engage, according to uh, Yashar Ali in a Huffington Post article, those who engage in gaslighting create a reaction, whether it's anger, frustration, sadness in the person they're dealing with. And then when that person reacts, the gaslighter makes them feel uncomfortable and insecure uh, by acting like, you know, their feelings aren't rational or normal. So in other words, gaslighters make you feel crazy because they act like your reactions to their abuse are not rational. See how crazy that is? Uh, anyway, while the signs that you're being gaslighted might seem pretty obvious to some people, the fact is that you're being manipulated by a narcissist and you can't always see the proverbial forest for the trees. Do you feel me? So if you find yourself feeling like you might be a little crazy or, you know, don't freak out because that's all part of the whole deal. That's how the gaslighting technique works. In fact, that is the goal of the, te the technique because in order to keep you under control, the narcissist needs to kind of keep you off balance a little bit. And if he makes you think you're crazy, you might become even more dependent on him, you know, for that reality check, which unfortunately is not a reality check, but we'll get there. So even if you're aware that it's happening, you know, you might, you might still want to check out this video and understand how to recognize it better while it's happening. You know, because as I say all the time, understanding the signs is the first step to making your life just a little bit better. And, and, and every step toward a little better is a step toward a lot better. You feel me? Anyway, um, so no, like I just said, knowing the signs of gaslighting, it's the first step to making. When you're aware of the behaviors that cause your narcissist to engage in gaslighting, you can react differently and change the course of the outcome. So what are the signs that you're being gaslighted? Let's go ahead and start and do the top 10, shall we? Number one, your fears are used against you. So what do I mean by this? Well, many narcissists, you know, you all, we all know they're so charming, at least when they want to be, right? <laughs> Often they will listen to every word you have to say and file away any vulnerabilities you reveal for later use. For example, if a narcissist, you know, if you told a narcissist that you felt insecure about your weight, most likely he's going to make discreet pokes at it later when he thinks that he needs to get in control. Or if you're in a romantic relationship, um, he may make comments about others who are thinner than you. In any case, he's always out to feel better than you. So, um, and again, you know, in the case of a, a dating relationship or a marriage, you know, you're going to see a narcissist, you know, oh, that girl's hot or that guy's hot. And, and if, if it's the case of a weight issue or an appearance security issue, right? Or if you feel like you're struggling with your intelligence, you know, you, f you feel stupid or you feel, you know, not good enough, inevitably the narcissist will find your fears, your, your biggest insecurities and just poke, 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 poke until they hurt you. Okay. And this is just one of many ways you're being gaslighted. Let's keep it moving here, shall we? All right. So number, oh, and let me just say this, the, the, nar the narcissist does have an ultimate goal. <laughs> of course he does. To make you doubt yourself, to make you become more dependent on him. That's what I was saying. All right. Number two, you don't know your own mind. Okay. So some narcissists claim to know what you or others are thinking. And if you deny that your mind's working the way they believe it is, well, they might just secretly think you're lying. They might make a face or a gesture to indicate it. Or in the most extreme cases of NPD, they might actually tell you that you're lying and even accuse you of lying to yourself. Because of course, as narcissists, they can't be wrong, right? <laughs> I don't know. Have you been there? Because I have. It's not pretty. All right, next one up. You don't know what's normal. 
So if you're regularly being told that things are normal when deep down you know for sure they're not, you are likely the victim of gaslighting. So for example, if your boss asks you to blatantly lie to a client about the safety of one of your products, right? When you refuse, you know, instead of being like, you know what, you're right, it's okay, I understand your ethics, la la la, your boss is going to be like, you know what, all employees lie on behalf of their employers. And and, and if you don't want to be a team player, you know what, you should just find another position. See, because what, what you're doing is being told something that you believe to be wrong is right and that you are in fact wrong for not doing it. See what I'm saying? Not normal. All right, moving on. You're diagnosed with major issues, okay? So when a narcissist is lying or manipulating a friend or a coworker or a loved one and isn't quite getting his way, he's going to turn up the intensity and in sometimes sometimes he'll do that by questioning your sanity. You might be called paranoid, stressed out, too sensitive or even hormonal. Uh, he or she, understand this can also be a female narcissist, might even tell you that you need therapy or meds to get through it. Uh, again, it's all about being in control. A narcissist is going to do anything he can to stay in control, even at the expense of those he claims to love. Now, if you go and you visit um, my YouTube channel, uh, I just did a video the other day with, like a, I think it was 121 things narcissists say when they're gaslighting. This is another one that would be really good for you to take a look at as far as... Uh, getting in touch with understanding what you're looking for when it comes to seeing the signs of narcissism and, and narcissistic abuse, okay? All right, moving on. Um, okay, next up, you doubt your own beliefs and perceptions, right? So you're told that what you know to be true is not true or real. We kind of talked about that before. So for example, if your narcissist mother tells you, hey, you know what, that guy or that girl you're dating is a big fat loser and you need to dump him or her, um, after a while you might start to believe it and end up, you know, you might even end up sabotaging that relationship because you begin to believe and question your own, you begin to question your own judgment because of the regular conditioning that you receive, not only during your visits and phone calls and emails, but also, you know, growing up. Because obviously, if, if you're dealing with a narcissist mother, you're, you're dealing with a lifelong issue here, right? All right, moving on. Next up, you can't remember anything anymore, right? Well, we all know the narcissist um, is going to be infamous for selective memory. So what I mean is he's going to deny that he said something that upset you, especially if you confront him on it, right? Or he might promise to do something and later tell you that, you know what, I never said that. I never promised I would do it. Or he might use creative language to downplay his behavior and act like your reaction, even though it's probably completely logical, is totally out of line. So, you know, uh, for example, maybe he's going to step on your feet and then say, well, your feet were in my way. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a silly one. But, you know, the point is that he's going to do something to hurt you and then act like it's your fault because of, you know, where you happen to be or what you're doing at that moment or whatever. Okay. All right, moving on. And you lie to keep the peace. Now, this is an interesting one because most of the time you're probably not a liar by nature and you don't lie to other people in your life. But due to the extreme stress that this narcissist is causing you, you know, anytime you anger him or upset him and that the rage gets going, you're probably going to find yourself at least bending the truth a little bit in order to avoid hopefully the only verbal, but not, I mean, I'm not saying it's hopefully abuse at all, but the abuse that you're going to get, you know, I'm thinking mental or emotional abuse, you know, because that's going to follow no matter what happens, you know, if you go against the quote unquote narcissist rules. So 
one thing I just want to stop, and I say this in probably almost every video, if you are being physically or sexually abused in your relationship, you need to turn this video off now, and you need to go to queenbean.com and click on that emergency domestic violence resource page. Get out ASAP. Um, your life could depend on it, okay? I'm not going to harp on it, just saying. Move on. <laughs> All right. Um, so next up, you stop trying to be heard, okay? Now, this is a hard one because as humans, we are programmed to share our experiences and our thoughts with the people in our lives. But when you're dealing with a narcissist and there are signs that you're being gaslighted, you eventually might just go, oh, forget about it and give up. So you stop talking about yourself around the narcissist and depending on the depth of your relationship and the length of your relationship with him or her, you might even stop talking about yourself altogether. So, you know, then one day somebody might be like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? What's up with you? you know, you don't even know what to say. You might even forget how to talk about yourself at that point. It's very difficult. So yeah, anyway, next up, you start thinking maybe you really are the crazy one, right? So the intensity of a narcissist manipulation tactics can get incredibly overwhelming for anyone. So, and when you are looking for a solution as in a way to just end the disagreement or argument, uh, it's, you know, you could convince yourself that the narcissist is right and that there are things that you could be doing better. And maybe you start to think that his behavior was a logical reaction to your mistakes. Maybe you are the one who owes him an apology, right? <laughs> and when you apologize, he eventually probably accepts your apology only to later throw your bad behavior back in his face. Now, so, do, you know, when it serves him, so, so, so you see what's happened there, right? you know, he made you apologize to him for something you didn't do and you apologized just to shut him up and later you were, you know, attacked again because of the apology that you made and admit, you know, quote unquote, admission of bad behavior. It's just, it's crazy making. Okay, <laughs> next up, you are depressed. So as a narcissist works to wear down his victim, she's, you know, he or she may become depressed and increasingly anxious. Um, see, you know, PTSD is an issue for a lot of victims and survivors of narcissistic abuse. Um, anyway, a victim is going to constantly question herself and feel generally hopeless. And if you're in this situation, you might feel exhausted from like the roller coaster ride that your narcissist has just taken you on. And you might even begin to think that you are a little oversensitive, it's, you know, thanks to that NPD manipulation tactic you're being subjected to. Um, you know, and you become confused and you start to feel disoriented. I'm not kidding. It's, it's crazy. And thanks to all of those references, you know, to your paranoia and your memory issues and your problems with your brain, you know, it's possible that you're going to go ahead and seek, seek help for depression rather than the actual problem, which is the gaslighting narcissist in your life. You know, you might find yourself drugged up on Paxil or Prozac or whatever, Zoloft, whatever's in these days. And not even need that stuff. You might just need to get away from that oppression that you're you're dealing with with that narcissist. You know, even the so-called normal relationships in our lives can suffer from misunderstandings and miscommunications. But the issue comes up, up when someone starts to use manipulation tactics such as gaslighting and the, and those involved with gaslighting, because chances are at that point that there there might be a, a toxic narcissist. And so if you're going to make maintain a sense of self, you, you really have to start making changes in your life. So let me ask you a question. Do you recognize any of the signs that you're being gaslighted that I mentioned here as part of your reality? And have you ever been the victim of gaslighting? How would you tell a friend to handle a toxic relationship that involves gaslighting? Let's talk about it. Share your comments, your questions, your thoughts, and your experiences below, and, and I'll, I'll respond to you. And let's, let's open up the discussion. 
that's all I've got for today. My name is Angie Atkinson, and I will see you tomorrow here on my YouTube channel and at queenbeing.com. You may also check out booksangiewrote.com if you're interested in my books. We will talk soon. Have a great week. Narcissistic Abuse Survivor Stories, True Stories from Real Survivors, 121 Things Narcissists Say When They're Gaslighting You, today at QueenBeing.com. Hi there, my name is Angie Atkinson. I'm a certified life coach and author and a survivor of narcissistic abuse and relationships. Uh, just before we get started here, um, you can learn more about me and about narcissistic abuse and narcissistic abuse recovery at queenbeing.com. Um, you can also check out my books at booksangiewrote.com or uh, visit NarcissismSupportCoach.com for not only personalized narcissistic abuse recovery coaching, but also a free five-day fear-busting e-course that is specifically designed for narcissistic abuse survivors. Alright, now before we get started today, I just have to tell you, I have a really good one for you, so stay tuned. Um, so if you've ever been involved in a toxic relationship with a narcissist, the following statements might sound pretty familiar to you. I polled the members of my online support group, SPAN, and I asked them to share the things that they had heard often from their narcissists, things that they heard them say over and over again during those toxic relationships. Uh, now this is very interesting how this came out, uh, but we came up with 121 things. And I think you'll be pretty interested. Oh, by the way, before we get uh, started on that part, um, I just want to let you know SPAN is uh, support for people affected by narcissism and narcissistic abuse in relationships. And you can join my SPAN group at um, queenbeing.com uh, backslash SPAN. Um, or you can just click on the icon, that the SPAN tab there. All right. So anyway, if you are not sure that you're dealing with a narcissist, this list might actually help you to kind of understand whether or not anything sounds familiar. So if you hear, you know, or you read a lot of statements that um, sound familiar to you or sound similar to something that someone says to you all the time, then you might actually be dealing with a narcissist. Okay, so let's get doing. All right, number one, you're being irrational. You should get tested for schizophrenia. That's number two. Number three, you're always making up shit in your head. You need help. I don't do things I think are wrong. Why are you being so defensive? You're so childish or immature. You need to learn to communicate better. I'm not arguing, I'm just discussing. Hey, I'm not saying you need to be any different. I'm not trying to change anybody. It's always something with you. You're, you're crazy, you're weirdo, you're a freak. Whatever. If you wouldn't piss me off, I wouldn't have to say mean things to you. No wonder so-and-so has a problem with you. If you tell them about me, I will whatever and hurt you. Either blackmail you or made up exaggerated lies to get back at you for exposing them. Remember, these are all real statements that are, are our group members have actually heard often from their narcissists. This is not just some, you know, compilation of potential things. This is a compilation of actual statements made by the narcissist to actual victims of narcissism. 
Okay, another one. I used to think you were a good person because, you know, you tell them off and get on their level. Another one. Why are you being a bitch? Get over it. I'm late. I was supposed to be here at noon, but it's 2.40 p.m. Do you want to go eat or not? Another one. I don't have time for your games. Another one. Go ahead. Tell them about me. I will make your life a living hell, bitch. Yeah, they, they're really good for calling names and often very shocking names that you wouldn't really hear from other people in your lives. Uh, yeah. I'm much smarter than your dumbass. That always sounds really... Yeah, I, I totally... Whatever. <laughs> uh, just try. You'll lose. I'm going to kiss their butt. We'll see what who they want more to do with. I'm guessing this is in a situation where uh, someone is... You know, it's, it's a competition between the couple, you know. Anyway, you would think that they would have figured you out by now. Or you, you would think that you would have figured it out by now. You can't beat me. But hey, knock yourself out. Make a fool of yourself. Another one. If you're on the phone with them in front of an audience, you get, Listen, you need help. I can't play your games anymore. I feel really sorry for you. I've got to go. I'm not being pulled into another fight. And of course, you're on the other end saying, well, what are you talking about? What do you mean? And about that time, the phone clicks off. So later he calls you, try me, bitch. Have you figured out that you won't win? Yeah, you know what? I, I haven't experienced it exactly like that myself, but I have experienced very similar things where they do, um, you know, they, again, they want to make you look crazy. And so they, they take, they, they show other people from their end only, of course, where they can't hear you. Uh, and, and they, oh my gosh, this is crazy. You're so insane. I can't believe you're making me do this. And then, of course, when they get off the phone, then they, they, they bitch and they moan and they tell everybody how terrible you are. And then later he's like, see, I won. You see how that goes? It's just part of gaslighting. All right, another one. What do you mean if I have, what do you mean I have no real friends? I have an attorney friend, one who owns whatever. I have tons of friends. You're the depressed loser who stays home all the time with no friends. Oh, sorry, you have a volunteer pet rescue friend. Wow, I'm impressed. Yeah, this this came from a survivor. Oh, I forgot you're holier than thou. Poor you. You like being a victim. You wonder why I stay away from you. Others think I'm a pretty nice guy. It's too bad you don't. I'm going to stay away from you as long as you put me down. No wonder I do drugs. If you want to feel like shit, if I want to feel like shit, I will come around you. How's it working for you? Listen to yourself. You're losing it. Oh, and here's one. If they leave you and, they, and you go, well, f good riddance. Now she can put up with you. He says, oh, she doesn't mind breakfast in bed. We're going to Hawaii. You could have had the finer things, but you wanted to fight me all the time. When I'm a millionaire, we'll see who's doing better then. Yeah, as my as my member said, this is a very good example of uh, a person with a very grandiose uh, <laughs> situation there. Uh, here's another one. My friends on Facebook that I never met in person tell me all the time how smart I am. <laughs> another one. I'm not trying to control you. You're thinking about your ex-husband and you're taking it out on me. That's a common thing. They they want to make you seem like the crazy person. That's the whole the whole thing with gaslighting. Another one, you've always got a problem. Another one, I'm the best thing that ever happened to you. No one can ever love you like I do. It's always your fault. Why do you have to get all pissy and hurt over stuff? 
You just look for something to gripe about all the time. What do you get out of being moody all the time? I hope that's fun for you. <laughs> I'm the only one that really loves you. You are not going to control me, you effing bee. I don't give a crap about your kids. Everyone agrees with me. You're bad. I never said that. You're crazy. You're lazy. You're too sensitive. I know what you're thinking. You never listen. I'll pay you back, and of course never does. You better life... Oh, this one's a good one. You better wipe that look off your face or I'll do it for you. You're a piece of shit. And then if you try to make them aware about something, like that they're going to get in trouble, either legally or personally, they'll say something like, don't worry about it. Shut up. You're such a goody-goody weirdo. You worry about everything. I've done this before. You know, they always know better than you. Another one, stop telling people stuff about me. And then if he cheats on you and repeatedly wants to know why, you know, he, he'll say, you know, I don't understand why you said some not nice things to me. You know, uh, even though they have a really good reason <laughs> for, uh, you have a really good reason for having said not nice things to him. He, he cheated, <laughs> but then he wants to, he wants to turn it around and make it about you hurting his feelings instead of him, you know, sticking his penis in another woman or whatever. Okay. Another one, this, this survivor said that, you know, she gets told, you'll never find another man as good as me. I've heard that one a lot myself. I've heard that one from other survivors and in my own uh, narcissistic previous marriage. Okay, here's another one. When he goes out, uh, someone told him that they had the best time ever because he was there. Another one, I'm from an Acadian bloodline, so naturally I'm smarter than average people like you. Oh, another one. My job is more important. You just have projects. It's just busy work. You know, and I've heard similar like, oh, you just sit around and play on the computer all day and things like that from work-at-home moms and stay-at-home moms and stuff like that. Um, another one, I don't answer your texts because you're bothering me with your foolishness. Again, this is him acting like you're a child or you're not good enough or whatever. Again, before I move on, let me just say again, and I know that I'm going to get some comments from men saying this is a sexist video because I'm referring to primarily men. In this case, there was only one man who commented in this poll, and um, you know, but but the fact is that these these statements can apply to either men or women. And although uh, the majority of my readers and viewers and um, clients do happen to be female, I do have some men in there, and and the men tell me that it's it's very similar on both sides. Now, statistically. Uh, you know, obviously men are slightly statistically more likely to be narcissistic, narcissistic than women, but it's just such a slight um, majority that, you know, it really does apply to both sexes. Okay, moving on. It's my way or the highway. Oh boy. Women are here to serve men. Don't you love that? And I'm sure women who are narcissists will say, oh, you're just here to serve me. Men are just here to serve women, whatever. Okay, if you're so great at budgeting, why are we past due on everything and broke? And this is, of course, after he blows his entire paycheck at the casino. I know how to do whatever. I know how you whatever. I know why whatever. And then basically what that comes down to is I have the answer. You just have to listen to me. And you can fill in the blank with any subject because he always knows the answer to everything. People's motives, parenting, why your cake just exploded, 
any subject at all. He has all the answers. All you have to do is listen. Does that sound familiar? Okay, back when I lived in Florida and I was rich beyond belief and knew all the movie stars, you know, because I grew up with them and I never had to worry about being broke all the time. Well, see, again, this is a situation where he's like got the grandiosity situation going on, fantasies, and, you know, maybe he really was living in Florida and rich beyond belief and knew all the movie stars, but obviously he's got some kind of a twisted idea of (laughs) what it's all about. Moving on. Watch what I do next, bitch. Y'all already know what I'm talking about. I'm sure you've heard something similar. Um, here's another one, another grandiosity example. I used to race Porsches for Indy 500, and I own two Burger Kings and a Pizarro's. Okay. <laughs> another one. No wonder your daughter can't keep a boyfriend. She's so needy and trailer park trash. Now, see, this is, uh, you know, obviously any mother is going to feel very strongly about her children, and when someone... Um, directly insults a person's children it's it's entirely uh, it, it's one of those hot button issues that a lot of people will fight and they will do this narcissists will often go to this level when you get to the point where you are gray rocking them and you're you're winning that's when they get to the point where they're just going to just start pulling out all the stops you know like if you have a you know a bad relationship with you know someone at work or or a relative then the narcissist might compare you to that person or if you have a good relationship with someone then the narcissist might tear down that person when they can't get at you when they're tearing you down it's just it's they'll do anything they can to get under your skin yeah okay um after one of his often veiled put downs and that's the truth another one i know at least three people in this town who think you are bipolar yeah, again, they're always accusing you of being the mentally ill, the crazy, the, the 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 nut job because this is part of their whole tactic to make you seem crazy, whether you believe they're, you're crazy or not, because sometimes you do begin to believe you're crazy, especially when it's excessive or when it's uh, long-term. But, but even if you don't believe you're crazy, if they can make other people believe you're crazy, then they win because, of course, crazy people always say they're not crazy. All right. He's incredibly grandiose and exaggerates his achievements, talks constantly to anyone about the high standing of people that he quote-unquote knows. Um, He needs to be seen as a genius, and he's challenged by other people's achievements. Behind their backs, he calls them third-rate. This is another direct quote from a survivor. Uh, Another one. When I was the manager of over 50 people at a restaurant, the survivor told me it was Taco Bell, but you couldn't say that. Heaven forbid he was associated with fast food because, again, he thinks he's too good for it, even though he obviously... Uh, did this and now one of one of the other survivors mentioned that that was a really damn good job and and she thought that you know it was offensive that he would feel that way because I guess the Taco Bell managers make a good amount so but you know this is an example of of narcissists they they nothing's ever good enough for them including themselves which is why they're so so very judgmental of everything and everyone else in the world another one you just want to rehash the past now this might be the past from yesterday but uh yeah yeah I've heard it. I'm sure you've all heard it too. Uh, You should have known that this was not a good time to either talk to me, call me on the phone, or whatever. And then, of course, follows up with a a very, quote-unquote, justifiable narcissistic rage. Awesome. Uh, You treat me like shit, and you're not on drugs. That's that's an actual thing. Uh, (laughs) Nobody likes you. They all laugh behind your back. After he breaks up with you over the phone, he might say, you made me. You asked me if we were all right. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? It's always something with you. I'm sure we've all heard that one. 
You leave me and you will be blued, screwed, and tattooed. Now that's a very creative narcissist there. You will have you will never have the confidence to leave me. You are delusional. You have no friends. Nobody likes you. You're too old. No one will ever want you. You're too fat. No one will ever love you like I do. You'll never find anyone as good as me. You'll never find anyone to put up with you like I do. You'll never have a house as nice as this one. You'll end up living in a broken down car on the north side. What are you going to do without me? How will you ever feed yourself? I never said that. You're crazy. You need a shrink. I never did that. You're crazy. I can say or do anything I want to you because I own you. I was busy. Somebody has to earn a living. I worked my ass off, but nobody around here seems to care. No one is able to love someone like you. Well, except me. Why do you always have to criticize me? Don't nag me. Why are you upset? I was only kidding. I want, I need, I, me, 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 me. I was just kidding. Gee, can't you take a joke? Rage? What rage? Oh, so I'm not allowed to get angry? <laughs> Heard that one. Only I can treat you like shit. Now, uh, at the risk of, you know, not, I, I don't want to expose anyone here, but this is this is the one statement that showed up from a, a male um, victim and survivor in, in the group. I, I found this interesting because I do see how a female narcissist might um, be prone to saying something like this, even if she doesn't say it just like that, but she might say it just like that. But even if she says something, you know, she tries to maybe defend you, but she does that, you know, if someone else attacks you, but she does that because you're property, not because she loves you. All right, moving on. I never said anything to you because I just thought you knew how she felt about you. She was talking about you, complaining. I didn't think you were friends. You know, see, this is his excuse, I'm sure, for having, um, you know, gossiped about you or knowing gossip about you and not sharing it with you. The narcissist, uh, this this one's a, like a four-parter here. Narcissist, you have the most beautiful blue eyes. And then you say, oh, thank you. And they say, I can't do this anymore. And you go, are you breaking up with me again? And he goes, yep. <laughs> See how that's kind of confusing? Because they're like, you know, you're amazing, you're awesome. And then, by the way, we got to go. <laughs> uh, this is a terrible but sc a scary one and one that you need to take very seriously. If you ever cheat on me, I'll kill them and you. And I had another uh, survivor put up a similar statement that was even more graphic. Um, I did not, I'm not sharing that here because it's very triggering, but um, it's, oops, it's definitely, uh, I, and I told the survivor at the time, this thing is just right in my thing, okay. I told the survivor at the time that I thought, you know, she needs to get out right away, and, and I understand that she is in the process of working on that, but uh, if they if they give you any sort of a death threat or um, any sort of reason to believe that there might be something to be worried about, please, please, please get out. Go to queenbee.com, click on the um, the page for resources for survivors of victims and survivors of narcissistic abuse, and you will find um, a list of domestic violence um, 
emergency resources there and they there for for countries around the world and and states around the country there are there are um, lists of you know agencies that can help you immediately um, with emergency relocation and all kinds of good stuff so check that out all right uh, you started it that's a good one that usually is in reference to an argument that you didn't start <laughs> get over it grow up so that's my list for today what do you think does anything sound familiar to you do you think you're dealing with a narcissist um, go ahead and share your thoughts and experiences in the comments section and let's discuss it uh, you might also if you if you do feel like some of this is relating to you you might also want to check out my free email course on narcissistic abuse recovery um, that I mentioned at the beginning of this video you can check it out at NarcissismSupportCoach.com and you can also get my books on narcissism and narcissistic abuse recovery at booksangiewrote.com or get free tools tips and resources for narcissistic abuse recovery as always at QueenBeing.com um, so that's all I've got for today my name is Angie Atkinson and I will see you soon Thanks for watching. Narcissistic Abuse Recovery, Making Clear Conscious Decisions. You are the queen of your being. Today at queenbeing.com. My name is Angela Atkinson. I'm a certified life coach and author and a survivor of narcissistic abuse in relationships. You know, we've really been blessed with the free will of making decisions. You know, and these decisions can enrich our lives or cause them to take a turn for the worse. Not a day goes by that we don't make dozens, even hundreds of decisions, most of them without even thinking. Every day we decide when to get up, what to eat, what to wear, and what route to take to work, or wherever our destination happens to be. These are the choices that we make with very little pause or thought. Now, other decisions are going to require a little more insight as to what to do, such as like where to go on vacation, who to date, who to marry, which car to buy, and which neighborhood is best for security and schools. The decisions we make, whether they are major or minor, do affect our lives and to no small degree, but they have to be made. So some of us approach decision-making with reluctance and dread, um, being afraid of the consequences. And of course, any of us could do that, and almost any decision that we make could potentially involve contact I'm sorry, conflict or dissatisfaction, but we have to take control and we have to make the decisions that we make and we have to accept the outcome, good or bad. So decision-making is a lot like bill paying. Both of them have to be done and usually within a certain amount of time. Now, for example, if we're late paying our electric bill, the consequences can be the discontinuation of power or even a late fee. But if you fail to make a decision in a timely manner, that's what I'm saying, it gets taken out of your hands and placed into the hands of others, like the electric company in that case. So avoiding decisions or avoiding paying bills may seem easier, but of course, obviously, the results are rarely desirable. So what if, why do you have to make decisions? I mean, think about it. You have to identify the purpose, determine exactly what has to be solved and when, and understand that it might make the problem clearer if you can make a pro and con list. Sometimes that helps me too. You know, pros of paying the electric bill, I keep the electricity on. 
cons of not paying, you know, cons of paying it, I'm out of money. Pros of not paying it, I still have money. Cons of not paying it, you know, I don't have any power in my house, which is, you know, which one is better for you? Um, but anyway, so you would then study the list that you made and, and the different choices and evaluate each of those in terms of consequences. You know, if I make this decision, what's going to happen? And if I make the decision, a different decision, then something else will happen. It's, it's very simple stuff, right? So you're going to figure out what is, what is the best decision. Then you're going to evaluate the outcome and go ahead and make the decision. So you might be criticized for making the wrong decision, but you've done the best you can. And with all the information that you had available to you at the time. And you move forward. You made the decision. So you did something before being run over from behind. Uh, you see what I'm saying? The only people who never get criticized are those who do nothing. Can't be you. Now, a key decision can alter your life. Accept this fact and approach it with eagerness. Have you seen Sliding Doors, the movie with Gwyneth Paltrow? Uh, in this case, you know, in that movie, uh, Gwyneth's character, her life has changed dramatically because she has failed to make it through a sliding door, right? The movie gives us an opportunity to see how each, you know, how she handles each set of circumstances that's thrown her way. Sure, it's an overdramatization, but but it really does illustrate the power and importance of our decisions. So here are some tips that you can you can learn from that movie or from me today. Uh, you know, number one, gather the information on the decision to be made. So to determine the best alternative and to put that decision in action, into action, then you're going to look back only to learn from your past decisions, but don't dwell on those. So don't focus on the past, only look back to figure out how you could have done better. Um, then you're going to move ahead and stay focused on the future. I'm always talking about that. It's very important. And like I said, decision-making requires a plan. So if you don't know where you're going one decision is as good as the other. So just think ahead if you can. So it's a good feeling when you are able to learn to make a conscious decision about yourself and your life. And each time you do it, the process becomes easier and your confidence builds. So you're going to learn how to make a commitment. You're going to make a difference and you're going to take control of your life because you deserve it. Okay. It's time to pick up your crown and dust it off and put it on that beautiful head queen. Are you ready? Are you scared? Don't be scared. Don't let fear stop you. If you visit NarcissismSupportCoach.com and sign up for my free Take Back Your Life e-course, it will totally change your life in 15 minutes a day. Until then, I'm Angie Atkinson, and I look forward to seeing you over at QueenBeing.com. Great day. if a relationship has become toxic today at queenbeing.com. Hi, my name is Angela Atkinson. I'm a certified life coach and author and a survivor of narcissistic abuse in relationships. Today at queenbeing.com, we're going to discuss the signs that you're in a toxic relationship with a narcissist. It's a fact of life that some relationships go through the occasional rough patch. In most cases, these are worked out either through rational discussion or some arguing, but the issues get resolved. When there's a narcissist involved, though, the rough patch can become a lot less of a patch and more of a cold, wet, heavy blanket that seems to cover your entire life. You know what I'm talking about? 
Now, this is often referred to as a toxic relationship, but how can you tell the difference between a little rough patch in your relationship and a very toxic situation? Well, unfortunately, the differences can seem subtle at first. So when you're looking at your relationship, look, at, look for signs like the ones I'm about to describe. And if you feel like your relationship is toxic, then, you know, or, or that you're involved with the narcissist, then these are things that you can take into, you know, understand. And with the knowledge that you, you learn, you can move forward and make some educated choices about what you want to do next. Okay. So here we go. Uh, if you're in a toxic relationship, your partner is going to attempt to force you to be more dependent on him for basic needs or her. Uh, you will have made changes that you normally wouldn't have made just to keep your partner happy. Uh, the partner is going to control your life. They're going to check up on you and kind of try to make sure that you're doing whatever they think you should do or whatever they have dictated that you should do. They're going to verbally put you down, sometimes in front of other people, not always. Sometimes it's going to just be behind closed doors, um, especially if we're talking about a narcissist who has an image to maintain. Uh, these people are going to be uh, physically, mentally, or emotionally abusive and manipulative. Now, let me just stop for a minute here. If you go to queenbeing.com and you click on the Narcissism um, Abuse Recovery Resources page, you will find um, a link a whole page that you can get to from there that will help you if you are being physically abused. It will help you to get out of your situation immediately. It's got resources for countries around the world, different states. It's a place to start, okay? So hit queenbeing.com and check that out if you are being physically abused. Mental or, or emotional abuse, we can help you with. Physical abuse, you've got to help yourself first, okay? Moving on. Uh, another sign, there's no evidence that your narcissist or the person that you're in a relationship with actually loves you, though they might say otherwise. Just remember that actions speak louder than words here, okay? So essentially what it all comes down to is that the narcissists and other types of toxic people are not healthy. Uh, and I'm talking about mentally they're not healthy, emotionally they're not healthy, and, and inevitably they're on a mission to feel better than the people around them. They need to sort of put themselves on a sort of artificial uh, pedestal. You understand what I mean? So essentially what they're doing is they're poisoning you and your soul, so to speak, when they when they abuse you toxically with, through this, you know, uh, manipulation and, and various control techniques. So if you do stick it around too, you know, stick around for too long, you're going to find yourself feeling kind of dead inside. It's, it's unfortunate, but that's what you have to deal with. So um, you know, so you want to ask yourself, how does anybody get into one of these relationships and why do they stick around? Well, on the surface, the easy answer is that nobody should and nobody would. But unfortunately, we all know that it happens. So the reason is that toxic relationships in general run in cycles, right? So the three basic stages, let's talk about those. The honeymoon, which often includes love bombing. Um, and then there's where, you know, everything seems wonderful. There's a lot of hope for a happy future. Everything's amazing. Then we get to the problem stage. And, and again, that often includes the gaslighting and the manipulation and devaluing and discarding. And it's, it's where the actual problems happen. And it's painful. It's the worst part. And it's the part that makes you sometimes feel dead inside. But then, in a standard narcissistic cycle, what happens is that it comes it comes back around. We start to do the reconciliation thing. The narcissist realizes he's moved to you know he's pushed you too far. He's lost the type of supply that you give him, so he wants you back. He wants you to come back into his little narcissistic harem, right? So that means that you know he's going to do the hoovering technique where he sucks you back in, and we can read about that on QueenBeing.com as well. Uh, anyway. 
this of course leads you right back to the, the honeymoon stage and it starts all over again. It's, it's a cycle. It's a constant ongoing cycle. Okay. So let me ask you, does that sound like something you're used to dealing with in your relationship? Does it sound familiar? Uh, once you know, I always say first, before I say this, let me say this. Once you understand what you're dealing with. Okay. So education, in my opinion, uh, Educating yourself about an issue can help you to understand it better. And once you understand it, then you know how you can you can begin to develop ways to um, get rid of the pain and the the frustration by making different choices. Okay, making choices that are educated, uh, understanding how a narcissist mind works, uh, how your relationship is is going to typically shell you know um, come out. And and once you've done that you can begin to create the life that you truly want. Uh, so that's something that you should consider. Um, and I think, you know, in the end, you know, there's really only one stage where things really seem bad. And after that, you know, uh, people see that their toxic mate or their narcissist in this case is trying to quote unquote do better and they feel oh so sorry for what they did. And, you know, as people, you know, people who are typically attracted to broken people such as narcissists are empathic and they they are more likely to give everyone a second chance and I'm not saying they as though I'm not one of those people because I am one of those people I did it too often too too much um, but I, I learned my lesson and I moved forward so the honeymoon phase then you know is the next part everything's amazing they're back to you know back to happy back to willing to forgive and forget I just want to be happy but inevitably the problems start again, the cycle goes back around. It's outrageous. So why don't people get out of those toxic relationships at this point? Well, if you think about it, you can see that they've already got proof that their partner can change. So, you know, if I'm in a relationship with someone and we go through absolute hell and then one day he goes, you know what? I screwed up. I'm sorry. We're back. Well, you know, of course I've seen him change before. So obviously the proof comes in the form of prior, the prior reconciliation stage, right? So from the perspective of an outsider, it's, it's hard to believe and it looks like a bunch of crap. But when you're stuck in the middle of the relationship like this, you know, that's how you see it. That's your perspective is, is just, okay, well, whew, at least I can relax now. Now there's another um, honeymoon stage right around the corner. And that's, that's the thing that, that I think we, um, as, as empaths, that I think we tend to really lean toward, you know, we want that happy moment and we, we don't want to always give up the happiness for the pain. But the problem comes when the pain is, you know, when the bad stuff happens more often than the good stuff, you know, percentage wise, if that makes any sense. Every relationship has bumps. Some relationships have bumps that are, you know, just going to become worse and bigger and, and, and be mixed in with some potholes, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, just the road of a, of a healthy relationship is going to include, you know, more good than bad. Okay. Now what's the key to getting out of a narcissistic relationship? I've talked about it before. You go no contact, et cetera, et cetera, but it's always easier said than done, right? So you have to think of your relationship with a narcissist as an addiction. The drug is the problem stage, right? That's the part where doesn't feel good, but you got to do it anyway. You got to get through it, right? So if you were, you know, say doing some harmful drug instead of being with a harmful person, then the the problem stage would be the part at which you are, uh, I guess, sort of fiending for the drug or the part where you just want the drug so badly, but you can't get it, right? And then the honeymoon stage, of course, is the high that's felt. So while you were in the reconciliation period, you went out and you reobtained that drug and then and then you 
come back around and everything's amazing again. Well, it's the same deal. You can't get high without the drug. It's the same deal with a relationship. So if you're in a toxic relationship, you've got to break out of it at that problem stage. Uh, you know, because sure, you might turn around and come back right into the honeymoon stage again. But if this is happening more often than, you know, occasionally, like, you have to understand that this is what you're dealing with. So you may, you have choices. You, you, you can decide whether you want to stick around and put up with that, or you can decide that you're too good for that and you, you deserve better, which, by the way, my friend, you do. But anyway, uh, knowing the signs is what it comes down to. You have to be ready to take action, whether that means to, you know, sit down, put your head down and accept what you're dealing with, or it means to stand up and take action to do what you want to become you know, the person that you want to have the life that you want because you deserve to be happy. Every human on the planet, my friend, deserves to be happy and that certainly includes you. It is my intention to teach you that you deserve to be happy and to show you who you are, you know, through your own mirror so you can understand that you deserve better than what you're getting now, okay? Look, don't kid yourself. You need to get help. You need to do whatever you need to do to get the respect you truly deserve. Obviously, it's going to be difficult, but I promise you, I promise you, you'll have a much happier life when you do. All right? So this is Angie Atkinson one more time, and I am signing off for now. If you have questions, concerns, or things you want to talk about, please visit me at queenbeing.com, and let's talk about it. I am always happy to hear from a reader or a listener or a viewer. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week.
Ever feel like your marriage is eating you alive? You might be married to a narcissist. Here are a dozen ways to tell for sure. Today at queenbeing.com. My name is Angela Atkinson. I'm a certified life coach, the author of several books, and a recognized narcissism expert, as well as a survivor of narcissistic abuse. Today, I'm going to help you get through this and understand what you're dealing with when it comes to being in a relationship with a narcissist. Now, if you've ever been in a sexual or romantic relationship with a narcissist, you might already understand that they often seem to be more interested in sex and pleasure than actual emotional intimacy. In fact, narcissists and those diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder are more likely to philander and dump their partners than people who view important parts of a relationship, according to psychologist Ian Shearer. Narcissists have a heightened sense of sexuality, but they tend to view sex very differently than other people do, according to Shira, uh, who in 2006 did a study that appears in the current issue of um, the Journal of Social and Personal Relationships. He says they see sexuality more in terms of power, influence, and as something daring, in contrast to people with low narcissistic qualities who associated sex with caring and love more so. Of course, that's why narcissists tend to bounce from one relationship to the next, and most often, the relationships don't last long. They don't involve much emotional intimacy. Even when they're in a relationship, narcissists tend to be on the lookout for other partners and searching for a better deal. Whether that's because of their heightened sexuality or because they think multiple partners enhance their self-image isn't entirely clear. So basically, narcissists are always on the lookout for a better deal in a relationship. They often appear to have an overblown ego, and they can be very charming if they choose to be. There are different ways, several ways actually, to know if your significant other is a narcissist. So let's go ahead and start with the 12 behaviors and symptoms that indicate that you might be married to a narcissist. They are as follows. Number one, it feels like you're the one doing most of the work in the relationship. Number two, your partner does things to sabotage the relationship and to prevent it from moving forward, but the partner doesn't want to let you go either. Number three, your partner might have a history of troubled relationships and or addictions. Number four, your partner has episodes of excessive and quite often unjustified anger. Sometimes he's he's dealing you're dealing with infidelity and other times uh, somehow it's all your fault. So. We call that the narcissistic flip over at queenbeam.com, by the way. Um, your relationship is uh, mostly focused on your partner's moods uh, and, and interests and activities. And when it's not, uh, there will be an ugly argument or outburst. Uh, you feel controlled or manipulated by your partner's moods to the point that you might feel like you're walking on eggshells all the time, a slave to his or her whims. Um, you might find yourself covering up, explaining, or apologizing for his or her behavior. You might find yourself in a situation where your partner makes all the decisions or makes one-sided decisions that um, affect your personal safety and well-being in a, in a negative way. 
uh, you may feel unsafe by some of those actions that your partner takes. Uh, your partner will refuse to see your good intentions, always blaming you for every situation, uh, always making you admit that you're wrong, even when that's not the case. And finally, you sometimes find yourself desperately trying to remember when your partner last showed love for you, acted like you could do no wrong. Uh, often this is in the early parts of the relationship. So let me ask you something. Do you think that your significant other might have narcissistic personality disorder? Share your thoughts and comments in the ex in experiences, I'm sorry, in the comments section below. I'd like to hear what you have to say about all of this. And remember that sharing is caring. So please pass this video on if it has helped you or if you think that it can help someone else. Thank you for helping to helping me to help as many victims of narcissism as possible. And please don't forget, if you visit queenbeing.com, there are plenty of free resources there for you um, in regard to getting help with recovering from narcissistic abuse. And if you need personal coaching, please visit NarcissismSupportCoach.com and I can personally help you get through this. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. I'm Angie Atkinson, signing off.